Houston to Brian. Terry, hey, Free Tools will try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Why don't you give us a call? Our number is 291-6901. And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. Anywhere you care to call from. That, we got it. all our lines wide open. Got a whole bunch of them, so you'll get on through. This is the best time to call. That it is. We get more time to get your questions answered th- more thoroughly. There you go. And in case you just don't get a chance to call in or something occurred to you after we're off the air. That's right. Or any time during the week, you can always go to our website and get your questions answered that way. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O. AUTO.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button. A little form is going to pop up. Fill it out and send it on in. There you go. Get an answer back to you within 24 hours, sometimes sooner, just depending on where I happen to be. Right. You know, one email that I get a lot, and I thought maybe we could talk about it. This time of year, a lot of folks are looking at used vehicles. Sure. Be it kid going to school or whatever reason. A lot of people just buy used vehicles these days. With the price of new vehicles being as high as they are, a lot of people see the wisdom of purchasing a A pre-owned vehicle. And one thing that we have always highly, highly, highly recommended is a pre-purchase inspection of the vehicle. And that is true regardless of what kind of vehicle you may be buying. Whether it be new, used, any make or model. Well, I have had people say, well, you said that a Toyota is a good car, so I'm buying a Toyota. Should I still have to have it inspected? Well, yeah, absolutely, because you don't know what's happened to this particular car. Correct. Because a certain car has a reputation as being a good car does not mean something hasn't happened to this particular car. And I guess we need to start with the reasons why people trade cars in. Okay. Now, some folks just want a new car every so often. Every, Every two, three years, they trade it get a new car that's they just, exactly right and they and want a new car those are ideal cars to buy for the most part the, another place is lease vehicles because most vehicles are a three-year lease right and so a lot of three-year-old cars will come on the market other things are where situations change perhaps a young man has a convertible sports car he gets married decides let's start a family well that car no longer fits in sure and so they may put a car on the market Sometimes people change jobs, and they have a car that is provided for them with their job. Mm-hmm. So they no longer need the car they have. So there are lots of reasons why cars come on the market. Another thing, unfortunately, is that they may, let's say the radiator hose burst because they didn't maintain the car very well. The car is overheated. Mm-hmm. They bring it to the shop, and he says, okay, yeah, I can put a radiator hose on there, but this thing's been badly overheated. Right. The chances of it overheating again are going to be... And the chance of an internal engine problem are fairly high. Or let's say they don't change the oil very often and they run it out of oil. Sure. Well, they fill it up with oil again and then they go trade it in. So these are the kinds of things that are not necessarily a good car. You don't want to buy someone else's problem. Exactly. You want to buy a legitimately good car. And this is where a pre-purchase inspection in many cases can drastically increase your odds of getting a good, a good car. car. Right. Another place where we see a lot of cars when we do a pre-purchase inspection, if they've been seriously wrecked in a collision and then repaired, and maybe they're just not the same afterwards. You know, right. If a car is repaired properly, it may be just as good as new. And that's the key word there is properly. Properly. Because a poor repair is going to keep showing up. It's going to keep giving you problems. And a poor repair is just that. Yeah. It may manifest in any number of ways, but it's going to continue to show problems. So at very least, you want to know if 
the car has been wrecked. Correct. Now, the first thing people will say, well, I've got a Carfax report or some kind of report. Isn't that adequate? Well, no, it's really not. That is a starting point. It's a good starting point. But where those reports come from is they buy data from the, the insurance companies insurance companies as far as collision damage. Right. That's where they get that data. They buy data from the manufacturers as far as warranty stuff and then such as that. What is excluded on that report is if the car were wrecked, not fixed under insurance, maybe in some backyard shop somewhere, that's not going to show up anywhere. Exactly. Because an insurance company may not have been involved. Someone may have wrecked the car, went out, had it fixed themselves, and then, turned, and then sold the car. Another thing is work that was done in a non-dealership type shop. For instance, if the car were run out of oil or overheated, the guy did not go back to the dealership. He went to some other repair facility. Then that's not going to show up anywhere. So while it is not bad data, it is very limited data and certainly not sufficient to make a decision as to whether or not you're going to purchase this automobile. So I thought we'd talk a little bit about some of the things that go into a pre-purchase inspection. We've also got what we call a general inspection. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was important to kind of touch on the differences in the two. First off, on a general inspection, we are dealing with a person who has owned the car for a period of time, a long period of time, presumably. He wants to know what are the maintenance needs, what things can he do to prevent future problems. But we're going to assume that he is he knows the car. He knows it has not been wrecked. Or flooded. His nose hadn't been flooded. It hasn't been overheated. He has the history of the vehicle. Correct. So we're not going to waste a lot of time and his money checking those those things things. or looking for those things. Right. On a pre-purchase inspection, it's kind of exactly the opposite. Right. We We are going to spend time looking for things that might be hidden. I'm looking for any reason for you not to buy this car. That's right. And because of the way that we bill at Agco for our services – we bill by the time spent. Sure. In other words, it's so much per hour, and we're billing in one-tenth of an hour increments. So if I'm looking for a reason for you not to buy the car, it comes in, I put it on the rack, and the first thing I notice is a big welded seam across the bottom of the car, very poorly done. This car has been cut in half and welded. Two halves of the car put together. Right. That took one or two-tenths of an hour. Right. A couple of tenths of an hour. Is there really any need to go further? No. Really Not. not. I mean, it's kind of like if I get in the car and the check engine light's on, I put it in reverse, it doesn't back up, I pull the dipstick on transmission, and the fluid is black and burnt. Right. No reason to really go any further. I mean, if you want, I'll continue checking. But for me, that is reason enough not to purchase this car. Sure. I mean, unless they're absolutely giving it to you. Well, in that case, then... If, know, they, if it's cheap enough case. to where you could afford to put a transmission in it, sure. then we'll check further and see. Now, if I get in there and the engine's knocking also... Again, let's just stop right there. No use to go a whole lot further. Now, on a car that is in relatively good shape, we're going to spend more time going over things on that car. Sure, because we're looking for some, like I said before, we're looking for some reason for you not to buy this car. Correct. And the better the car, the longer we're going to have to look. That's right, to find that reason or maybe not find that reason. Maybe not. So when people ask, they say, well, what things do you check? Well, it's just going to depend. It's not like a set checklist that we use right the first thing we do is we get in the car and test drive it now based on what i find or feel in that test drive anything i feel or find is a problem i'm going to go after that first sure particularly anything that may be a significant problem for instance if you get in the car and you're driving down the road you let go of the steering wheel and it veers drastically to the right 
Well, the first thing you do is start checking the suspension. Sure, I'm going to start looking for bent parts for a reason why that vehicle is doing this. As opposed to a vehicle you get in, it drives perfectly straight, but the check engine light's on. Well, now you're going to start looking at why this check engine light is on. Sure. Or if you get in the car and you put it in reverse and it delays before it goes in reverse. Well, you can start looking at those things first. So the things that you're going to check are going to be dependent, number one, on a thorough test drive. Right. Now, when you drive the car, Brian, what things are you generally looking for? When I walk out in the parking lot, I make a walk around the vehicle. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at body color, body lines, the, the gaps between the fenders, the doors, all the way around the vehicle. Mismatched panels. Mis- mismatched panels, mismatched tires, mm-hmm. anything you can visually see from the outside. When I open the door, I watch when I open the door. If the door drops in my hand when I open it, well, we know we got hinge problems or something or we could have a bent post so get in the car crank it up and i, I listen first thing you do is when you after you crank it up, you sit there and you listen is well, it making even, a lot even of noise? listen while it's cranking right is it making a lot of noise is it is something there abnormal it's not there because a starter that grinds or whirls or whirs or click click clicks the first time could be anything could be electrical problem could be a torn up flywheel exactly so it could go from one extreme to the other just by listening for that that symptom put it in gear does it go immediately into reverse right back Sl- slack in linkage right you, you, you've got the do little numbers be... line up with the d the r the n right. as you shift it or are they off a half or two somewhere back up hit the brakes does it stop immediately with a high pedal mm-hmm. if the pedal goes to the floor or if the car keeps rolling and the pedal's real soft and spongy i'm looking for brake problems right noises when you stop grinding exactly. squealing before I leave the parking lot, I make sure that I have adequate brakes to get out and make the test drive. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't want to go test drive a car with no with brakes. No brakes. Yeah. Exactly. And, and certainly we're not going to put an employee in that situation where they have to drive a car with right. uncertain brakes. Because not only is that a problem for you, but that could be a problem for other drivers sure. on the road. That's a safety issue. Sure. So, yeah, if that were the case, we'd probably just very carefully drive it around, just drive it around. and pull the wheels off and start checking. Now, right. if that's not the case. There are many, many other things. There are. We're going to talk about that in just a second. We're going to take our first quick little break. Be right back with a whole lot more. Ever plan to motor west? Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. I get your kicks on Route 66. Gotta run, Paul. I'm heading to Agco for my car's general inspection. I take it in once a year so the team at Agco can catch any potential problems early. And they remind me of important upcoming maintenance. Things like oil changes, changing my timing belt, tire wear. Yeah, a general inspection each year would be a great thing for my marriage. Paul, thanks for bringing Marie in for her general inspection. Overall, she's in great shape. I did dial back her shopping system to save you a little money, and her nag button was stuck, so I loosened that up so you can work on your golf game and not those honeydews. As far as preventive maintenance, you've got a big anniversary coming up in April, so put that on your calendar. And I'd suggest flowers for no reason and more compliments. And Agco saved me thousands of dollars. Paul? Paul, are you listening? Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry. Sounds like I need to take Marie. <laughs> I mean, my car, into Agco for a general inspection. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go.
Hey, welcome back. You just joined us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, we'll try to answer any automotive question you may have. Why don't you give us a call? Our number is 291-6901. We were talking a little bit about used cars, used car inspections mm-hmm. that you may have before you buy a used car. But as always, you're not limited to that topic. You call us with any question you may have on your mind. Be glad to try to help you out. That's just kind of like a guideline That's, we use. There to you go. <laughs> have something to talk about between the callers. You were mentioning the test drive, and you were right. beginning to get into your inspection phase of it. Well, that starts immediately when you walk out the front door to the vehicle. We went through cranking the vehicle up, backing it up, making sure we have brakes in the parking lot before we leave. Trying the air conditioner. That I'm going to do on the road. As soon as I've, I feel comfortable that the vehicle is roadworthy, I'm going to go ahead, and I've got a certain route that I drive. It's just it's con- I, convenient, it's convenient has, maybe. Yeah, it has yeah. all the different road types that you need. So when we pull out, we're driving down the road, and reach over, and we're going to turn the air conditioning on, and we're going to listen. If the belt squeals when the air conditioning comes on, mm-hmm. we're going to start looking for air conditioning problems or belt problems. In that same test drive, I'm going to – check the steering wheel where is the steering wheel straight in the vehicle level centered or is it off to one side is the vehicle pulling to one side or it just doesn't feel like it's riding right correctly kind of squirrely on the road right at the end of the the road there there's a stop sign we go ahead and i'll make a fairly decent stop right. with it and see if the vehicle pulls to one side or if there's a bunch of grinding or carrying on like that steering wheel, wheel wobble in your hand right pulls to a stop instead of a smooth stop sure we pull out on airline, go get up to about 50 on airline, and at the end of airline, we turn on the Cedar Crest, but at that junction, before we get there, we're, do- we're going fast enough so we can apply the brakes and feel for that brake shutter mm-hmm. or anything that doesn't feel normal in the brakes. We'll go ahead and make the route, and on the way back, there's a certain section of road I like to drive when I do alignments. We're looking at, is it pulling here? Is it pulling there? Does it drive straight? Is the steering wheel straight while the vehicle's going straight? We're also noting noting the shift points. Mm-hmm. How does the vehicle shift? Does it shift correctly? Does it shift one time real hard, and then the next time it's got a delay before it shifts? All this we're taking in on the test drive. By that time, we've made it back to the shop, driving around, and put it on the lift. Now, to put a vehicle on a twin post lift, you've got four arms, two on each side that slide underneath the vehicle. There is a certain point on each end of that vehicle where that lift has to go or should go. Right, lift points. And a lot of times I've seen people just throw the lift under it, hit the button and raise it up, and they're right. on the body or something like that. So you've got to make a very – you've got to actually get down on the floor and set the lift. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and lift it and up. And then down. you're looking for people who have improperly lifted the car in the past. Correct. Damage to the rocker panels, damage to the floor, damage to the floor stiffeners where it's been improperly lifted in the past. Correct. Once we get it up in the air, then we can start looking at the vehicle at eye level. And first thing I like to do is walk around and look at the condition of the tires. Is there a lot of tread left on them? The next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to check the age of that tire. That's right. Very important because we have a lot of elderly customers who just don't drive very much at all. I say elderly. It could be any customer, but right. it seems One, to be more prevalent. Let's say we've got... A person and are two people who live in a house. Both of them are up in age. They've got two cars because they feel more comfortable right. that way. They may only drive three or four miles a week. Sure. So what can happen is the tires can get very old, 
and still look almost like brand new. Have a lot of tread left on them. I've seen also some elderly people say, well, I know the tires are old, but I only drive about two miles at a time, and I don't go but 25 or 30 miles an hour. I'm just not going to change them right now. Sure. That's their choice. I understand that. But now if something were to happen where that car comes on the market and it's got 10-year-old tires on it that look like brand new, and you're not aware of that. If you hop in that car and take off to Atlanta driving 75 miles an hour, right, that tire you have is a gonna catastrophe. Heat up. When, when that tire heats up good and hot on being on the road, the glue is going to separate, the tire is going to separate, and you're going to have a blowout. Well, the best case scenario is the rubber just comes off and beats the snot outside of your car. Right, and, and you can pull over and... <laughs> That's about the best thing that's going to happen. Sure. What can happen is that one of the front or worse rear tires can let go. You lose control of the car, go through that little neutral ground, and head on... Another right. vehicle, probably an 18-wheeler coming, coming the other, other way. way. So very, very dangerous situation, not something that you could just let go. So right. that's one thing we always check. Right. After that, I'm going to take the wheels off the vehicle because I want to get a good look at the brakes that are left on mm-hmm. it or if any brakes are left on it or how much brake is pad is left on it. Were they done properly last time? Right. Are all the components there? I've well, seen... Uh, how often do you pull it off? You see the rotors are real rough finish, all ground up because somebody turned them improperly. You check, and they're turned below discard. The factory shims are missing, and they got aftermarket brake pads on it. Right. That happens all the time. Well, that is a complete redo of all the brakes sure. to make it right because it may be working for right now, but as soon as you drive it a few miles... the the rotors are going to warp, then it's going to be shaking the snot out of you. Or with the ground-up rotors, it's going to start grinding, grinding hit up the brakes. pads, what have you. At some point in the relatively near future, you're going to come up with a pretty sizable chunk of change to put these brakes right. you got to buy shims. you got to buy pads. you got to buy rotors. And that's something someone buying a car needs to know. Sure. At very least, you need to factor that into the price you're paying. Right. The back brake, whether it be disc brakes or drum brake, the tires still have to come off. You still have to check. The remaining material, if it's drum brakes, you want to take the drums off. You want to check the condition of the drums. You want to look at the remaining shoe material that is left. You want to check the wheel cylinders, make sure they're not Not leaking. leaking. You want to check all the rubber brake hoses from the suspension to the body. Some vehicles have three. Some vehicles have four, depending on what type of brake system is on it. Well, and if it's a rear-wheel drive vehicle, like a pickup truck or an SUV, you've got to check those rear axle seals. Sure. When you've got that drum off, that seal is visible if you look behind the axle. And if it's got oil all over the back of that axle, that is a potentially big repair that could cost a whole lot of money that you need to know about. Right. And there's no symptom of that other than the fact that it's leaking and you pull it apart and look at it. Well, eventually what's going to happen is it's going to get enough oil past that seal. It's going to get on the brakes. Mm -hmm. The brakes are going to start acting Weird. Weird. Grabbing or not grabbing. And when you take the drum off, you're going to see all that oil anyway. Mm -hmm. So you might as well catch it and factor that into the price of the used car. Now, same thing on a rear-wheel drive vehicle. When you're putting it in gear back and forth and you hear a loud clunk, that may be something like a universal joint that's bad. It may be the rear gears are worn. It could be a bearing in the rear end. So now you're listening for noises on acceleration, deceleration, such as that. But the point, that kind of brings a whole other genre of things to check. Sure. If it's a rear-wheel drive or a front-wheel drive. And then if it's all-wheel drive, there's, there's things even more, again. Yeah. So a lot of the things you check, the order you're going to check it, how securely you're going to check things is going to depend on what kind of vehicle, what kind of options it's equipped right. with. If it's got a four-wheel drive, then that's going to bring other factors in. Sure, you're going to have to make sure it works. Yeah, does so, the four-wheel drive function. Right. Do the lock-in hubs function? Do the front drive shafts and all there? And are they in good? Not only that, but 
on four-wheel drive pickups, there's a number of things you want to check because for the most part, a person who bought a four-wheel drive probably intended to use the four-wheel drive. Sure. That means it's been used off-road some, which brings in a whole other set of risk factors. Exactly. Is there mud up inside the pinion seal? In other words, has it been driven through high enough mud where the drive shaft was underwater or under mud and the mud got in there? Because if mud gets past that seal, where's that bearing out? Now you're into a total rear differential rebuild. Sure. You want to check all the skid plates underneath it. Most of your four-wheel drives have some type of skid plate mm-hmm. underneath it. Uh, a lot of them are plastic. Mm-hmm. Add plastic. I don't understand plastic skid plates, yeah. but they are there. And you need to check and make sure they're there and they're not damaged. Are they there? Are they missing? Are they damaged? And when they are severely damaged, you have to remove them and look underneath because Correct. whatever damaged that skid plate could also have damaged a gas tank or a fuel line, a drive, or shaft, drive shaft, anything underneath mufflers, it. whatever right. under those skid plates could be damaged, so it gets more involved as far as checking those sorts of things. Now, once you get the brakes completely checked and you look at the fluid level, is it adequately high? Is it relatively clean? Mm-hmm. If the fluid level is lower in one reservoir than the other, well, now you may be into pulling the master cylinder off the booster to, to check, check, like we talked about last week. To check for a leak behind the yeah. master. Is, is the master cylinder leaking into the booster or something like that? Now, once you get all those sorts of things checked, what kinds of things are you looking for while the car is still up in the air? Well, at this point, you can look at the underside of the body, the rocker panels, the bottoms of the fenders. You're looking for any kind of damage or maybe a rust-through condition. Any welding that's been done under the car Some, because that's a sign of a collision. Underneath most of your unibody cars, there's what they call a pinch weld. Right. And this component is a plate that is welded a series of of plates that are welded together right along the edge of the body that's where you lift the vehicle at that is also the main point to tie a frame machine down right clamp to this vehicle to do any framework well it's the strongest part of the vehicle so when it's on a frame machine that's where it's going to be clamped down and generally any type of frame machine clamps are going to leave some They're little teeth mark. marks. So if you know what to look for and where to look, right. you can tell if the car has been on a frame machine. Has now, been tied down. If it's been on a frame machine, it's generally be because there has been some frame damage Correct. because the car has been wrecked. So when you spot that, now then, you're going to really start looking. Then you start going, I like to start in the front. It's just my personal preference, mm-hmm. but you can start in the back. You want to look around the bumpers where the unibody rails come back to the back bumper assembly. You want to look for anything back there that's damaged, anything like different bolts, different types of materials back there, any kind of undercoating. One big, big thing, too, we could talk about this right after the break, but you want to make sure all the VIN tags match. And we're going to tell you what a VIN tag is and get to that as soon as we get back from this break. shop tomorrow. I'm off to Agco for my car's general inspection. I take it once a year so the team at Agco can catch any potential problems before they become huge repairs down the road. You know, things like small rattles and shakes can become issues and you never can be too... A general inspection each year would be great for my marriage. Kate, thanks for bringing David in for his general inspection. Overall, he's in pretty good shape for an older model. I replaced his sensitivity regulator, which was getting a little worn. His not listening to my partner and leave the seat up lights were both about to come on, so I fixed that. As far as preventive maintenance, more fiber, less beer, and watch his portion control, especially on the weekends. And thank goodness for Agco. Kate, 
Kate, are you listening? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Sounds like a general inspection from Agco can improve my marriage. I, I mean vehicle. Uh, improve my vehicle. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. This is John at the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Dream Tools will try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. Our number is 291 6901. That'll get you straight to us, and we'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. Get you started or get you stopped, whichever, whichever case it might may be. be. <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about used cars and right. used car inspections today, but we'll take a call on any topic you might have. Just yeah, we will. Call. Try to help you out and point you in the right direction. And we've got Eddie online. Good morning, Eddie. Good morning. How are you? Doing, Doing great, great. My question is, my daughter has a 2012 Nissan Rogue. Mm-hmm. The left headlight does not work, and... It'll work if you put it on high beam. Yes, sir. Okay. Mm-hmm. What I did was I bought a new bulb. Mm-hmm. I put the, installed the new bulb. The new bulb didn't work also. So okay. I took the right side bulb out and okay. put it in the non-working side. Yes, sir. And it didn't work, mm-hmm. but the new bulb worked on the right side. Yes, sir. Okay. So the bulb is uh, definitely good. I, I took it somewhere, mm-hmm. and they told me I needed Xeon bulbs. Well, that wouldn't cause that problem, though. Right. And so after I took it there, they charged my daughter $130 just to tell her that. That sounds like a dealership. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it was. And also they told me that it would be $1,000 to fix that problem. Wow. It depends on what kind of bulbs are in that vehicle. Yeah, I mean, it probably does need that bulb. But when you took the bulb from the other side and put it over there, that pretty much eliminated that as a possibility. The bulb, the bulb itself. The wrong right. bulb can cause a problem, but it's not gonna. that's not the problem you've got now. Eddie, what you'd have to do is just find out why that one light is not on. And I can tell you, they got some really, really stupid, stupid things on some of the newer cars like that a lot of them have what they call an intelligent fuse panel and that fuse panel may have different leads for the two lights and right. it could have burned out in that and those are generally non-repairable when they do that so that's the only thing i can think of that might cost that much money to fix but again i would want to be in there with a voltmeter testing the circuit and see where the power drops off why it drops off because there are some weird stuff like body control modules can cause that, which are real expensive. Intelligent fuse panels can be real expensive. But it can also be the socket is bad. I mean, we just don't know. And I would not trust somebody who told me I needed a xenon bulb and charged me 100 bucks to do that. I would want to have someone who can do some diagnostics, bring a, get a voltmeter, go to the backside of those sockets, and back probe the two terminals, see if you got power there. If you don't have power there trace the circuit up and you see where the power is interrupted at now okay. even if it is something like that intelligent fuse module occasionally there are workarounds i know on some of the chrysler products they're t- terrible about that that problem we got one in the shop right now and the intelligent fuse module is in the trunk and it's part of the wiring harness so no salvage yard is going to take that whole thing because you have to take the whole car apart to get it out and they've been discontinued from chrysler so we were able to go in and do a workaround with a relay. We took and bypassed that circuit, put a mechanical relay in to do the same thing as the SCR in the fuse box used to do, got it working for him for a fraction of the cost, and 
it was available. So there's just all sorts of answers. You just need to get it to someone who can do some checking, and that's generally not going to be a dealership. Right. Well, you know, I'm not painting anybody with a broad brush, but for the most part, those guys are parts changers. They're going to just change everything in the area and make sure they fix it. You need to find someone who has a diagnostic culture, someone who can go in, diagnose the problem, and then give you the options. These are the things that we can do to fix this. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate All the right, information. Eddie. Good luck to you, sir. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number if you want to part of the automotive. Hour. We'd love to have you. We were talking just a little bit about used car inspections mm-hmm. and such as that. And I mentioned the word VIN tag. Correct. And what a VIN tag is, because they've had so much problem with cars being stolen and chopped up and sold off as pieces, because the sum of the parts may exceed the value of the car in exactly. many cases, particularly on a late model car. They can chop that car up, sell the individual parts, and get more money than they get for the whole car with a lot less risk. So what the manufacturers have done in order to increase security and make that a little more difficult is they take the VIN number of the car and they put it on most of the major components. In other right. words, the fenders will have it on there. The bumpers will have it on there. The doors. The doors. Sometimes so, it's etched in the glass. Mm-hmm, so now it'll be in the glass. Now it'll be a little sticker. But one side benefit to that system is that if you go in and you start checking components and the left fender has a VIN tag and the right fender does not, we know that fender has been replaced. Or worse yet, it has the wrong VIN. Or it has the wrong VIN tag. Because I have seen a vehicle wrecked on one side. The Whoever fixed it happened to find the right color fender right, and, and put it on that car. Everything matched. Didn't have to paint. But the VIN number is incorrect. Right. It, that tells you that it came off of another car, correct. a used car. So, so you start looking with used parts, and that's just kind of an indication to look deeper. Correct. Let's go back to our phone lines with Bill. Good morning, Bill. How you doing? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He's just fine. I'm a kind of like blue black Chevrolet guy. Uh-huh. And went down there to look at some of the cars. They got the start-stop technologies, CVT transmissions, mm-hmm. and the little turbos on the four-cylinder. Right. And, um, Man, I just, I'm just afraid of it. Yeah, uh, it's a lot of stuff. Bill, I just bought a lane, a new car, and again, I like the four-cylinder. I like the fuel mileage. It's got plenty of power. But I got a Toyota Camry because it does not have a to- turbo on it. It doesn't have that start-stop technology. Now, it's got some other technologies on it, but I've been just pleased as the devil with it, and I get 43 miles a gallon out of it. So I've been pretty happy with it. You, know, you might look at some different models. I know you like Chevrolets, but you might just look at some of the different models, see some of the other things that are out there, because I don't like that either. Every time you stop, the car kills, and yeah, then when that, you give it gas, it starts up again. Man, that's a lot of stuff wearing out that's going to be really expensive to repair at some point in time. Well, they told me I can put it in manual and put it in fixed gear and drive it around like that. Yeah, you can, but again, who Why wants you to do, do that? that? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, mean, yeah, I know. You number one, you, I mean, you're paying for the, the technology. Why is, yeah. it, why is there not, just not a switch over there? You can turn it off. Yeah, you know? well, you're, and you're paying for that technology. It's including the price of the car, and then you're not using it. And I don't know. I just I don't like being told what to do and how to do it and such as that. A turbo is okay. It makes a lot of horsepower, but it also has a very expensive component sitting there spending 10,000 RPM. So all changes and all are much more critical. I'm not going to say it's going to give problems. It's just the odds of problems are higher. Well, they say the CVT transmissions are detonating like, you know, crazy. And, um, yeah, and it's non-repairable for the most right. part. When they go out, it's another transmission be got. We're running across that quite a bit now because they're getting older and they're starting to tear up and break. And I mean, it's kind of just the way they're building cars, but some cars are not quite 
that bad, and that's why I chose a Toyota Camry when I bought them. I mean, if you, if you sold on a Chevrolet, you might look around and see if they have any of them that has less of it on there, but I've heard that story from a number of people. That's GM is really going full bore on that stuff. Well, I appreciate it, and, you know, even uh, Nissan, even a, a famed Subaru is using CVT transmission. Yeah, a lot yeah. of them do. And, uh, and, you know, they're extending warranties like crazy for, like, a five-year-old car because... You yeah, know, but then you're buying an insurance up. policy to cover their lack of <laughs> durability, you know? Well, I hope Chevrolet, you know, goes back to rear-wheel drive, but I don't see it. I don't, I don't see don't it either. coming. I appreciate it. All, All right, right, Bill. Thanks, Carl, man. Bye-bye. Hi, right, right back to our phone lines with Thomas. Good morning, Thomas. Good morning. Yes, sir. I have a 2011 Honda Pilot with 150,000 miles on it. Okay. And over the last 10,000 miles, it's been burning a quart of oil every 3,000 miles or so. Okay. Well, that's not and, bad. Yeah. Well, I'm I mean, just curious as to whether I should go ahead and get the uh, synthetic oil uh, every oil change. That's not going to make it any better. In, in fact, it no. could possibly make it worse because synthetics can be a much better detergent, so it's going to clean up a little bit of crud around the rings and Turn may actually start consuming a little more oil. A quart in 3,000 is virtually nothing, Thomas. A lot of okay. brand-new GM Ford products burn more oil than that. 2018s burn more, and they won't even fix that under warranty. They'll tell you right. it's less than a quart in 2,000. They won't even address it, and some of them are a quart in 1,000. So yeah. it's just yeah. kind of part of the car getting older. I mean, it's got 150K on it. Probably got a lot of miles left in it. Obviously, you drive a lot of miles at a time, or you wouldn't have that many miles on that car. But, I mean, I would not be real concerned about that. Changing the oil a little more frequently would help, but I would stay with whatever oil you've been using. I wouldn't change my oil type at all. I'd stay with the same brand and the same viscosity and all that. Maybe just change it a little more often because as all gets older, it starts to thin. It goes through viscosity shear, which is going to make that problem far worse. Also, okay. if you let it stay in there longer, you start to gum up some things that makes the problem worse. So changing a little more often would probably help more than anything, but I would stay with the same exact oil you've been using in it. All right. So about every 5,000 miles is often enough? Yeah. Well, you probably put a lot of miles at a time because you got a lot of yeah. miles on the car. If your average trip is you get in the car and you drive 50 miles at a time or 75 miles without stopping, you could probably go out that long. I'd probably be closer to 4,000 because of this problem and see if that helps okay. any. I mean, all, all is right. cheap. All is real cheap compared, compared to rebuilding to, right. that engine, which is the next step. So the fix is probably worse than the problem. Okay. I mean, you could drive it just like that for probably another 150,000 miles. Okay. Thank all right. you. All right, Thomas. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you got a question or a comment, you give us a call. We'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. And before the callers, we were talking about uh, used car ins- inspections. Right, and we were talking, collision damage on the car. Right, we're talking about VIN tags and VIN numbers. Mm-hmm. But once you get past that point, you figured out that the suspension is not damaged. Mm-hmm. The, the, car, the car itself is in pretty good shape. It hadn't been wrecked on either end or in the side or anything. You can come back and you can start looking at the maintenance type items then. Right. You want first thing you want to do is check and make sure all the readiness tests have been passed. Yeah, the IM test as they call it. Because let's say the guy has got a transmission problem or a catalytic converter problem and the check engine lights on. Well, he knows that's a red flag to anybody. So just before you come test drive, he disconnects the battery and hooks it back up. Well, now the light will be out sure. because it cleared the codes. And it can't. It hasn't rerun the test yet. As soon as it runs all those tests, it's going to come back on. But that's going to probably take two or 40, three days. Yeah, two or three days, 40, 50, 100 miles before right. that happens. So he knows on your test drive you're not going to see it. So if the guy is unscrupulous, 
he may very well disconnect the battery. Now, fortunately, on any OBD2 or later car, when he disconnects the battery, it's going to clear the IM test. Correct. We can plug in with a scan tool and see these tests have been cleared, and we can say, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. Something's... Somebody has cleared the codes on this. The IM tests are incomplete. Maybe we pick up even on a pending code. So that is a definite red flag. You need to get that clear with the seller. Hey, look, we're either going to need to drive this car until these tests pass. Right. Or, or I need some assurance that if something check happens. engine light pops on, it's a $1,500 catalytic converter, you're going to cover that. Right. Beware of one that has a brand-new battery in it. Yeah. New battery, test incomplete. And it's not necessary. I mean, the battery may have just died. And they exactly. Just may be perfectly innocent. Exactly. But it's just a red flag because this can happen. Let's say you've got, like we mentioned before, a transmission that it's going into extended pressure mode because it slips. You may have to drive that car 75 to 100 miles or more at one time just to get for that to, to occur. Because what happens as you start to drive, the pressure start, it sees a slip, the pressure starts to rise. If it gets to a certain point, it sets a code. Right. But if it never reaches that point. If you turn it off before that happens, it's a new world on every key cycle. So it doesn't see it. It doesn't register a code. You don't know this is occurring. You may need a transmission very, very quickly, but the evidence of that has been it's hidden. Right. And with a lot of the cars now having no dipsticks and such as that, it makes it that much more difficult to find these sorts of things. The clues are sort of being go- are going away. The easier the easier things clues, you can yeah. see. So that's why it's even more important to have a professional look at this vehicle. Let's go back to our phone lines with Brian. Good morning, Brian. Hey, Brian, you with us? I think we lost him. Uh, we may have lost Brian. Uh, we're going to go back to the phone lines. We've got Barry on the line. Good morning, Barry. Yes, sir. All right. Yeah. Good Doing great. Okay. I got just a small, simple question. And sure. I'm, that's why I'm calling. Mm-hmm. You've worked on my cars before. Okay. Uh, Cadillac CTS 2009. Mm-hmm. I got brake chatter only going at high speed. Mm-hmm hitting the brakes okay. yeah that's when i can feel the chatter you know a little bit with the steering wheel and mm-hmm. right you know i can tell it's there but other than that you know just riding around regular right ride, see no on, problem that's, that's yeah. called brake shutter almost okay. always yeah, gonna be yeah, one, one yeah one or more of the rotors are gonna be warped and uh-huh. for some reason it just doesn't show up on the lower load i tell you where you'll okay. see that get on the interstate get up to about 60 75 miles an hour come off the down ramp and when okay. you're going down that ramp, hit those brakes moderately hard. That's when it's going to show up. Because sure now, does. yeah, now you got the load of the car going downhill, plus you're hitting the brakes relatively hard to stop in a short distance. That's when yep. it's going to show up. So it's going to be yep. one or more of the rotors is warped. And a lot of times you'll get what they call out of parallel. In other words, the rotor may not be wobbling side to side, but the two faces aren't parallel to each other. That'll cause that problem. It'll only show up under heavier loads. And that's what it does. Yeah. You need to go in, and uh, they can tell with a micrometer. They can mic the rotors. They can put indicators on. We could find which rotor or rotors are involved, yeah. and then it's a matter of replacing rotors. You can't turn that out because a full-size rotor is warped. So if you put a, if you turn that rotor down, you can't turn the warp out of it. You're just cutting the faces back through. It's going to come back with a vengeance because now it's thinner. It was already too thin, mm-hmm. and now it's coming back. But fortunately, those rotors are relatively inexpensive. Okay. Well, thank you very much. That's, right. that's kind of what I figured out, but I called you guys up anyway, but well, I kind of I knew that. Yeah, I, there you I, go. I called you guys. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bruce. Barry. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. All right, going back to our phone lines with Brian. Good morning, Brian. Hey, how are we doing, guys? Doing great, doing great, sir. Good. I want to give you guys a compliment. I listen to quite a few shows from different towns. Mm-hmm. And you're like one of the few shows that I never disagree with. <laughs> well, that's great. 
you also don't push any product. Right. Nope. Which you don't push additives and certain things that you probably know what I'm talking about, which may be relative today and maybe not. Yeah. And then also the, um, yeah, and just in general, I agree with almost everything you guys say, and you don't push any old school stuff, you know, like Dex Cool's no good. And right, like that. right. Well, it we're like self-sponsored. The one, one thing, we sponsor ourselves, so I don't, I'm not beholden to any manufacturer of a chemical or whatever. You know, by sponsoring yourself, you're free to give your personal opinion of things, and after 50 years of doing this, I do have a few opinions. <laughs> oh, okay. You don't sound a day over 49. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm several days over 49. <laughs> I'm, I'm teasing. But uh, one question. Uh-huh. I did hear something on a show that I did not necessarily know to disagree with you mm-hmm. or just that I didn't know where you're coming. You kind of said negative things about dual-clutch transmissions, and I kind of was wondering why. Just because. way, way too much complexity for the benefit to the driver. I'm not, I'm not saying average because I mean I've you know they they're used in race cars and right I know how they work and whatever and and theoretically you know and I've seen some of the Volkswagen stuff and it actually looks pretty damn good yeah it's just to me it's way way too much complexity to accomplish whatever it is they're trying to accomplish when you see the ones that don't have all that extra added hoopla on them that do exactly the same thing I look at things not from hey let's see what we can do engineering wise or how cool can we get I look at things from benefit to the customer. What is the bang for the buck to the customer? Because, you know, that's my world. And, you know, there are all sorts of things we can do. I mean, you can probably make a rotor out of iridium if you wanted to. But what would be the benefit to the customer? See, that's my contention. I'm not saying that it's inherently a horrible design. I say it's just way too much complexity for what it accomplishes from the customer standpoint. No, I was just wondering if you knew something about them being unreliable or anything, too. The Ford units, yeah, we've seen a lot of problems in the focuses with the dual clutch thing, and generally the repair is so expensive it totals the car. Oh, that I believe. You don't generally believe if mm -hmm. something goes wrong with it. And you're saying they're used quite a bit in a Focus, huh? The Focus is used, and I'm yeah. not sure what other cars. Ford is pretty big on them, and I really don't like it. We had one come in the other day, fairly late model Focus. It's like a 13 or 14, and yeah. by the time we priced everything he was going to need, it was going to be about eight grand to put a transmission in this thing, and the car wasn't worth that. Yeah, okay. Well, that I understand. And I, see, mm-hmm. I kind of thought that most of them were in a high. I actually didn't know they were in a. In, you know, oh, yeah. Not that mm-hmm. Focus yeah. is a bad car, but a basic car like Right. A, most I of you. They were in more high end cars. No. Now, most of the engineers, once they find a, a system they like, they'll try to spread it throughout the line. Right. I mean, it's sort of like so, Toyota was playing around at one time with a, a roof panel made out of a solar cell. Yeah. And, again, I took one look at it. I said, what's the benefit to the customer? Well, it's going to save about a quarter mile to the gallon. Oh, a quarter mile to the gallon. What happens when it goes through the first hailstorm? Yeah, or, you know? or when or, Johnny next door hits a pop fly and it comes up down the middle of that right. solar cell. Well, it's about $7,000 change the roof. Okay, at a quarter mile to the gallon at $10 a gallon for gas, this guy's going to save about six bucks over the life of the car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, it's just, and I, and I, and you I can do anything. You were talking about the same kind of thing with the stop-start. Right, right. I agree right. with that. Right. I mean, I, I, I don't see how they don't wear as much. Well, it's it's well, got they, to wear because you got to start us sitting there constantly starting the car and stopping the car. So Right, and that's where most of you wear is Yeah, and, 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 and what's the real benefit? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's, I was just wondering because I said I, uh, you know, I, I wasn't trying to butter you up. No, no. Honest to, honest to goodness, um, you're one of the few shows where I don't ever sit and say, oh, that, that's <laughs> off the wall sometimes, you know. I understand. Mo- most of the people do know what they're talking about, but sometimes they just come up with stuff that I, mm-hmm. is kind of biased, and I do I do like the fact that you guys don't have any kind of bias. That well, way. good. 
and I was I was interested in what your perspective was. And truthfully, I learned something because I never thought that that kind of transmission would even be in a car like a. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys, you have a great weekend. All right, Brian. Thanks. Yourself. Thanks for calling, man. Okay. Bye bye. Alright, we gotta take our final quick little break. Be right back. Welcome. I am the great fondue, automobile fortune teller. Sit. I'm hoping you can tell me if I have any big car repairs looming in my future. Ah, I see you among many cars, stopping and going. Yeah, Baton Rouge traffic. Now you're making a left turn. Hands ten and two. Nice form. Uh, thanks? Now you're stopped at a light. Look, you're just naming things I do every day. I want to know if my car is going to break down anytime soon. If you're hoping to gaze into your car's future, Agco suggests bringing in your vehicle once a year for a general inspection. Agco gives you an honest opinion on the maintenance needed to keep your car running and save you money on big repairs in the future. Great fondue, you should try another profession instead of a car fortune teller. Well, I was a mechanic at one of those quickie lube places, and believe me, I'm actually a better fortune teller. Well, that's scary. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. I see we're just about out of time. We kind of went long on our other break. Yep. Want to go ahead and start winding it on up, getting on out of here. All right. If you need any more information on used cars, visit the website. All the information should be there you need. That's right. Just so, type in web used car, and it's going to bring up all kinds of stuff. There you go. Tell everybody right. how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends and go to favorite broadcast, rebroadcast service. Right. Give us a written review. That'll move something ranking so more people can hear. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend. <laughs> 